cup of coffee mm-hmm. it is yeah i slept through my alarm i, I set my alarm for like 6 a.m and i didn't wake up until like 6 um 49 um and then i rushed <laughs> to make coffee and then i came back i um and then you were running late and so i um yeah sat on my bed and i don't know i was gonna read a book but i just got sucked into social media <laughs> I have no idea what that's like. Right? God. Um Yeah, I go through periods where I am super active and responding to comments and reading everything and connecting and then periods where I'm not. And um mm-hmm. and I love both of them. Um but I I think um I mean it just could take so much time. It can just suck you in so easily. Um You can spend all your time. You can spend all of your time doing that mm-hmm. that's right um so anyway so what do you want to talk about in our little intro let's catch up <sighs> want to talk about what happened this weekend sure yeah i just dropped off um i i just dropped off alma at her dad's and on the way home from dropping her off i get the call from him or no it was a text hey, there's rotten shit in her lunch bag. And I didn't use her lunch bag all week. So, and then I get that, where's her medicine? You know, it's like the transition stuff. Like, what happened here? What is this? What, it, what, rat, 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 rat. And I just. He texted like, you to tell you that there was rotten food in her lunch bag? Yeah. I mean, this is <clears throat> like. I don't even want to get into the, that. you know, our, our <laughs> stuff, but, but he's as, as good of a guy as he is. He's extremely intolerant and he's, um, anal. he's like, a, he's anal. Right? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's very like, uh, shit should just be this way. You're like, Oh, and you know, it's not that he's even necessarily being a dick. It's just like, this is like the stuff that tips him off. And, but you know, I've had my own story going with her all weekend and he knows that. So it's just like, can you just give just it a today, fucking break? Just right. not say something just today, please. Uh, so yeah, so it was a really hard, hard week and weekend with her and just I'm worn out. I'm like completely worn out from it. It's more just like, uh, it's, I guess it's normal. I don't have anything to compare it to, but just normal kid stuff, you know, I mean, she's a very opinionated, stubborn, willful kid. And I, she takes all of her, she doesn't, you know, I'm not there to witness it, but she's very different from what her, what, what her dad says, very different between the two of us, which I totally was too. And you were too. Like yep. we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Yep. 
I gave my mom all my shit, <clears throat> all yep. my anger, all my everything, and that's what I get. Yeah. So yesterday it just was like reached a point and I mean, I don't even really want to talk about it that much. Like I want, I know I, I want to talk about it. And whenever I do talk about it, people ask me to talk more about Alma because there's a lot of moms that listen and just people that need to hear this stuff or appreciate it or whatever. Uh, today's not the day I want to super get into it, but you know, it's just, it's just fucking hard. Like it's, it's hard to be uh, a parent. It's hard to be a single mom f- for me. Um, and it it pushes all my, ba- all my, the, just pushes every button that I have. In, and it's like, it doesn't, it just doesn't end either, you know? And it's like this simultaneous, like it's not, it's not, it's not the same as any other relationship you have because of the nature of it. Like I love her no matter what, whether I want to or not, I don't, you know, I, every day starts anew. I am always hopeful and I, but I, God, I get fucking just done. Just so, so like I took a four hour nap yesterday. I just couldn't even, I just couldn't even deal anymore. And it makes me feel completely inadequate and uh, exasperated and just um, kind of hopeless. Like, like um, I guess one of my biggest fears is I, I get along with my mom well now and our relationship is better than it used to be even in the past, you know, even from a year ago, but I shut her down pretty hard like in my life and <clears throat> I blocked her. I, I, I have a wall up against like, you know, with her bit, you know, and it's, and I know that it hurts her and I still don't really, I still am unwilling to let it down f- for whatever reason. And, um, and I'm afraid that that's going to, the same thing's going to happen. And, and I just know how bad I know how bad it must hurt my mom. And I know how bad it will or could hurt me if Alma did the same thing. And I know, I mean, it's been years and years and years of that, you know, so there's a huge fear that that it's going to be like that. And no matter what I do, it's going to, you know, what if she just ends up hating me? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's a possibility. I think like there's the interesting thing from being a, being like an observer and also an observer without kids. I think like one of the things that you said yesterday was really like on point, which was, I think part of it also that you didn't actually just talk about is you said you were, what if I've done this to her? Um, like, and I interpreted that as what if like your drinking or your past or your history, um, mm-hmm. you know, damaged her. And I just, I think that that's such a, like, I think it's such a, um, a burden to think about and to carry around. And I, and I know we're not going to talk about that today, but that's something that I really hope you do talk about. I, cause from an observer, I'm just like, she's just a fucking kid. Like I see a kid. I see a, you know, like I see a, not a, an out of control kid. I don't see, you know, like I, I see a kid who's being a kid, who's mm-hmm. being a dick. I see a kid who's being a dick. And I was a total dick. I was like such a dick. <laughs> Um, so I, you know, and I see a lot of myself in Alma too. Um, I was, I don't know how my parents raised me, you know, I was just, um, Mm -hmm. I was a lot, I was a lot. Um, and I didn't like, no, I can't, well, I don't know. Hopefully my mom doesn't like this, but I do remember growing up, I was not super into my mom just because she was, 
she was like my Sunday school teacher and she was the rule enforcer and she was the heavy mm-hmm. and she was the like and my dad was like, you know, fun times Glenn. And so it was just, uh, you know, I mean, it was just a, anyway, but, but like the, so the first thing I think I want to say is like, there's also an added layer on top of this, which is, um, is she treating you this way because, or is she this way or whatever? Because is, is there something wrong because of something that you did? And then I think the other part of it too is, um, like you, the reason you have walls up with your mom, is not because is not because I mean it's because your mom gave you reason to put walls up. I mean, let's be honest. Like it's not because yeah. like you just because you because you just like are you know because daughters don't like their moms or daughters put walls up with their moms. Like you for for reasons that are different than than what exists between you and Alma. You know. Yeah, to some degree that's true, and and to some degree. You know, my mom has earnestly tried to get to, through to me, and I, I, I won't win letter now. <clears throat> in the past few years, yes, in the past few years, and you're how old? You're, Almost forty. No, I know, I know. It's it's like like I said yesterday. A lot of this stuff is not rational, right? It's like yeah. I I sit there and I just feel like like ninety percent of the time. Truly, maybe 80% of the time, I'm like, you know what? I'm sober. I am doing the very best I can. She's fine. We're fine. And not just like glossing over fine, you know, like everything's fine. But like truly, it it is, it things are yeah. okay. Yeah. And the other 20% of the time, which feels like it was all weekend, I'm just so don't feel that way it's like mm-hmm. I have fucked this kid up or you know like I'm I'm completely in denial about you know the ways that our divorce fucked her up or my mm-hmm. drinking or even the way I am now mm-hmm. Because I don't love playing with her or, you know, it's, I find it a struggle to actually choose to spend time with her even when she's here. It's just all of that, you know, mm-hmm. it, the process is so imperfect. It's, it's not even imperfect. It's so completely human. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like the humanness you can sort of sort out in adult relationships or mm-hmm. even other family relationships. Like it's your kid and there's this crazy amount of responsibility and uh, guilt and um, just pure, like it affects you just no matter what right. it, it is like wired into your DNA, you know, and and it's just hard. And I, and like yesterday when you were like, can I give you a pep talk? I was, I, it's not even like, I don't even want to be told the things that like, oh no, you're a good mom or it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's more like, I just, this is just hard. I don't even like, I'm not even looking for answers. I, it's just hard. And I'm, I need to throw a tantrum within myself for however long. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, and I get that, and I respect that. I'm not trying to force answers down your throat. I'm not. I no, mean, I know. I'm not I trying to are. like force I- a pep talk on you. I think it's sometimes like I think there's a couple things. One, I think sometimes like it's you can go pretty far off into like the valley of lies, right? And sometimes like just hearing a little bit of truth is like helpful. But like yeah. I don't deny. Like I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not a mom. Like don't even can't even like fathom it. Couldn't even fathom it. Um, and I don't think like, you know, like, I don't think there's anything helpful about not feeling how you feel, like, or trying to like be talked out of how you feel. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just not, that's not a, it's never a helpful thing. Um, and that's not no, what I was I trying and to do. I, I was just I know. kind of witnessing for like two days, you know, like despondent texts. Um, so. <laughs> well, you texted yesterday. You were like, okay, something's off. What is happening? Well, you didn't answer just- calls for a couple of days. And, um, and yeah, I mean, like, I just can tell when something's like far off. And I think the main thing I wanted to say, it's like, it's, you know, like feel how you feel, but also like sometimes it's just like, is a dose of truth. Is this like, I, like what I said was if Byron Katie was sitting here and you were telling her this stuff, would she say, is this true? And it's not true. Like, you haven't fucked your kid up, you know? Like, even, you know, even if you had done, you know, like, even if, like, you know, I don't know. It's just, um, it's not true that you're a shitty mom or that you fucked your kid up. It doesn't mean that you can feel out your way out, you know, like, that that changes how you feel about it. But, um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just hard. It's, it's hard, too, to be a friend to somebody who's, like, you. I don't get your experience as a mom. Like, I don't get it. No, I know. And and I, I killed my cat, you know? Like I don't even, I, <laughs> I have no room to talk over here. <laughs> no, I know. And it's not I, I know you weren't you weren't at all being annoying. It was cute and it was sweet and I, I appreciate it. It was just like I couldn't you know. Couldn't. You can't be talked out of like feeling shitty, especially when you need to feel shitty about something. Like I think that that's like I think like oftentimes we think, oh no, you shouldn't be feeling bad. And you get to feel bad. You get to feel like shit. You really do. It's just like a couple weeks ago when I was depressed, you were like, hey. And I was like, nope. Like, not today. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) Yeah. And it it throws me into a – I don't do this nearly as often anymore, but it definitely throws me into like self-pity spiral. You know, it'll be like – fucking I don't have any like no one's who want who's gonna want this like no one's gonna want to be around all this shit and you know I wish I like had more sympathy from her dad and I mean which isn't even true it's like it's it's just that cloud of this is impossible and impossible like it's yeah it's this is impossible that's the feeling it's like this despondent fucking feeling yeah I know well, and then so, also uh, the other part of this too that like always gets me is like you can hate this creature, right? Like you can totally – but then that's your that's your creature, you know? And so you can't you can't run. You can't run. You can't leave the creature <laughs> at like, you know, some other place or like, you know, take a couple of no. weeks off from the creature. Like it's your thing. It's your person. And so, I mean, it's like this it's like there's no escape. <laughs> There's no, no, there isn't. And it's like, even if you like, it's, it flips so fast for both of us, you know, like last night, she, she knew she finally sensed that she really pushed me over. And so she was sweet last, like last night and even this morning. And it was, 
it was nice. You know, she's not a sociopath. <laughs> I would do that to my mom. I would push my, I would push and push and push, and then she would just break. And not mm-hmm. often, but when she did, oh my god, there was nothing worse than it. You know, I mean, I've done I this know, to her in my right? adult life, and like she goes, like, like even just a couple months ago, I came home and she has a lot of furniture and a lot of stuff, and there was like. I don't know, six lamps in my room. And I was trying to explain to her that she was a hoarder. And she's not. But I was just like, this is not okay. Like, it's not okay that there are six lamps in my old bedroom. And she was explaining to me, like, the importance of each of them. And I was like, and 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 I pushed her so hard. And she broke. And she cried. My mom doesn't cry. And she cried a wailing cry. And then oh. she took the two lamps to the street and put, like, a little piece of paper and it said free and put a paper clip with like a piece of paper on the two lamps and put them on the curb later like like just like a half hour later and the sight of those lamps broke my heart and there's just like this my skin hurt i know it just it was one of the saddest things i've ever like i just pushed her you know and we do that to our parents like we do like even when we are 30 you know (laughs) eight-year-old yoga teachers (laughs) 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 but i know like i would just push my parents and push my parents and push my parents until they fucking broke when i was little because that's what you do you see how far you can take this thing how how far like how big of an asshole do you get to be you know before it like starts to actually feel regretful i'm gonna open up a sparkling water one second ah that's a dizani white peach it's delicious is it a can obviously that was a can noise oh my god it's so good white peach dizani all right i don't i've never seen dizani in a can uh yeah it it is it's uh you know some tough shit it's some tough but now, shit. Now she's with her dad for a few days and her fa- her better parent, her favorite parent. <laughs> yeah, the one who she likes better. She made sure I knew that many times this week. <laughs> Finally I was like, "Good. Then you can stay with him." And she ignored that. She's like, "Whatever, you're you're full of it." So, anyway, that's that's what's happening here and, you know, that's in the background of everything else. Yeah. Well, shit. Well, shit. You want to talk about anything before we before we proceed? Just how I've seen two movies in the last week, and in both movies, I got the large tub of popcorn with extra butter, and how now I don't think I'm ever going to have popcorn movie popcorn in my life like it made me sick like it was so funny my mom was sick the entire next day i was just sick that night and woke up the next day and couldn't eat breakfast um yeah and then um and then we went to a movie last night and she was like i can't i just can't like i want it but i, I can't do that to myself again and then we got in the car like, afterwards I and i was like oh my god i'm gonna die i'm gonna die <laughs> and she was like see i just couldn't and i was like well it takes me like it takes more pain for me to learn a lesson <laughs> <laughs> congratulations mom <laughs> Oh, but anyway. I had it yesterday too. What did you see yesterday? 
Uh, Dunkirk. Oh my god, oh. it was so was it fucking good? good. Well, yeah, we went to go see some Indian movie, and they were only like we did. We missed the English, the English one. And it was only Punjabi with English subtitles, which would have been fine. But then the only seats left were the like front row, so it's like I cannot sit in the front row and read subtitles. Um, <laughs> no. I'll throw up. Like seizure time. <laughs> I know. So, and she didn't want to see Dunkirk because it was like supposed to be too violent. But then I was like, we drove. You know, we drove eleven minutes, and I, I just like wanted to be in that theater watching a fucking movie and so we did and um it was so good it was just like it just reminded me i mean it was just a movie about the senselessness of war i mean that's it it's just the senselessness of war up close and just it was haunting um i really want to see it yeah, it was super good. And then we saw The Big Sick earlier this week. And that was just like, that was, I think that's probably one of my favorite all time movies. I love Dinesh, like from Silicon Valley. And he's like so good in it. It's the cutest love story. Um, yeah, I want to see it this week. I think I'll go see it. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Um, but yeah, I don't I know. I saw the Emoji movie yesterday. I no. mean, no. Really? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> oh, of course I'm I did. so sorry. <laughs> I know what it was, was pretty bad. Actually. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't good. It was kind of fun to watch all the little emojis and the the parents uh, are are mess meh, Mister and Mrs. Meh. You know the meh face. No, I don't know. Yeah, M-E-H, like H. I mean meh, meh, like uh. Which face uh, is that? Is that the crying sex face? God, no. Okay. No, that's like, oh, that's like pain. Okay. No. Um, it was, it's, I'll send it to you later. I don't ever use it. But it was, that, that was funny. But the rest of it was like, good. Yeah. yeah so. You, you just said, it was kind of fun to see all the emojis. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I have a relationship with them. I kind of do. It was kind of fun to see all the emojis come to life. Like, it was kind of fun to see all my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. So, (laughs) we. (laughs) What are you laughing? Are you still laughing? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so we are talking about um, money. 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 Why did we want to do this again? No, I'm just kidding. Actually, yes, I'm looking forward, I'm looking to, forward about to it money. too. Because we wanted to talk about something positive, and ironically, yes. it's money. <laughs> we were like, let's let's talk about something fun and lighthearted. Let's talk about money. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's like really our the scale. I'm like, could we do something not heavy? <laughs> Money. 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 Yeah, money's not heavy at all. Um, but it's not now. I think that's like the, the state of mind. I'm sure there's some people that are like, fuck you. Um, so let's right. let's do it. So we're gonna talk about it in four different ways. We're gonna talk about what our money story is growing up. Um, what our money story what what money was what was going on with money um when we got sober. Um, how did it change in sobriety and what my my handwriting says what says um, but <laughs> what you say now? <laughs> what you say now about money? <laughs> what you say now was money. Um. So yeah. 
Okay, so you start. What what was what was your story about money growing up? Well, it's fascinating, um, but it wasn't good. I had parents that were. I mean, my my mom came from a, a well-to-do family, and my dad and my mom had different values than my mother's family, and so they. My mom um, was also handicapped, and so she was a stay-at-home mom. My dad wanted to make certain that she was able to be with the kids, and she didn't have to, you know, physically. My mom was, uh, had like eight hip replacements. She was born with congenital oh, yeah. hip dislocation, and so she had. You know, she's always had. Um, she's always had uh, trouble uh, walking and been in pain. She got her first hip replacement when she was in her 40s. And so um, two, her bol- like two total hip replacements in her 40s when I was in seventh God. grade, sixth and seventh grade. Um, and so my dad wanted to make sure she didn't work and was able to be home with the kids. And my dad had his own businesses. He like, you know, all- he was employed for himself and he always worked. I started working for him at a really young age. I always valued hard work. I always did. Like from I like when I was in the third grade, my dad ran this company and it was like a it was called Pizza Man and he went around to <laughs> elementary schools. I mean, this is like something that could only happen in the eighties. Um he <laughs> he went to he would go to schools, elementary schools and organizations, and kids would go around and they would sell for seven dollars um pizzas and their neighbors would give them a checks for seven dollars and uh, or whatever and then um and then all then the kids would tally up what types of pizzas and how many and my dad would come with a refrigerator truck into a cafeteria and a bunch of kids would make pizzas in a cafeteria yes and then um and then we would freeze them and then give them back to the kids and the kids would go and take the frozen pizzas and deliver them to their neighbors i mean i i can't figure out how many health violations there might have been um but like I know it's crazy, right? That's a very complicated thing. Yeah, but we made. I mean, my dad was making six figures. You know, he was a very my dad Doing was savvy. The pizza man? Yeah, he would go. I mean, he was like my dad was pretty fucking cool. Like he was just like he was. He is a really good people person, and he's good yeah. with kids, and he's you know hardworking, and he's too smart for his own good. And like he would go, and he would just like I mean, I was in. He would do this at schools I went to. My dad was a pizza man. And so he would come in and like we would all gather up and he would explain the prizes. There was a nickel jump and a Sunday bar and all sorts of stuff. He'd explain the prizes and I would sit there and be like, that's my dad. And then we would go off and sell our pizzas and we'd all make them and then we'd deliver them back to our neighbors. And like the, I mean, the thing is I started doing, I started working with him at a young age, um, which means right. I would go and run like at maybe like age nine. I would go into cafeterias of kids and adults making these pizzas. And I was like the little lieutenant. I would like walk around and make sure everybody was like making their pizzas right, you know. And uh, oh, I was like a little so line funny. authority. So I oh, I worked from a really young age. My dad always worked for himself. My mom was a stay at home mom. We did not want like we weren't rich, but like we had a we had a nice ranch home with a pool and you know two cars in the garage. And I always had mm-hmm. nice clothes. And we you know went on trips. And it was just like, but we also the, there's a couple pieces to this, which is that my Mom's sister and brother were had a much different lifestyle. They went to Mexico on their vacations and they had, you know, they were they had hot air balloons and like they, you know, ran with the hot air balloon club. And like eighties <laughs> thing I've ever 80s. Heard. All of this is strange. Um but like they, they just 
they had a very different, fancier life than I did. And um, better cars, better homes. You know, my aunt had fur coats. She was very fancy. Um, and so, and and we were not. We were totally outcasts. We were not invited to a lot of things. Um, we were not country. We, Is it because did your not parents have, didn't care about that shit? Yes. And, um, and it was really painful because also, and also because, not to get into a ton of shit here, but my mom was just not, my mom was, my mom was not liked by my aunt. And so my, my, yeah. my, you know, which led to so many complications between my aunt and myself and my cousins and myself now. But like, um, it was just, my mom was just, I mean, like, I mean, cruelly disliked and left out. And so not, yeah. you know, it was just, we were, we were, uh, we were like the black sheep family, you know, we were just, we were different. And, um, and also just, you know, like my mom was just shit on. And so it was like, as a kid, here's what I'm watching. I'm watching that we're othered, that we're not invited to certain things, that I have a totally different lifestyle than my cousin. We spent a lot of time with my family too. And so it was just this very like young knowing that we didn't, that we weren't, that we weren't good enough and that we weren't good enough because we didn't have, um, money. And so you connected it to, you like knew that you didn't have as much money. I said one time my sister, I remember after like a holiday party, like at my aunt's, um, my sister, we were, I was probably like eight or seven and we were in my sister's room. My sister was so upset because she wasn't invited to something. I mean, that was a constant thing. We weren't invited. We were left out. And like my sister and, um, and, and like my dad and my mom were in the room trying to console her. And I, I, at like seven or eight, you know, like explain to my sister that we chose a different life, that we value different things. And my older sister, and that was the price we paid. And so um, I knew that somehow, you know, like I picked that up somehow. And, um, but, but like that this was a money thing, you know? And um, so, yeah, I mean, there was that. And then, and also we just, my parents were very careful with their money. And then, and so there was that, but I didn't want, even though, and, but I also felt and like I started working full time when I was like between my um, eighth and and ninth grade years, I worked like 45 hours a week, nine, um, nine weeks out of the summer. And yeah. so, I, you know, even before we, my parents filed for bankruptcy after their divorce, which is the next part of it. So, like, even before then, I was super, like, independent and into into having my own money and into having enough money. I wanted nice yeah. things. And um, then, then, bitch, when I was 14, my parents divorced. And then, like, um, and then my dad filed for bankruptcy. My dad then turned into like you know moved from being like the stable breadwinner into he filed for bankruptcy and he struggled um he doesn't anymore but he did for years and he also moved i mean he he couldn't keep a job like it was a very different Mm. it was like a very quick change like he was he then had um job after job after job and that was just because he was like you know not grounded his life was yeah like he became very ungrounded um you know he came out of the closet he had a totally different life than what he had had and he was living in a different like he was just living in a different world and it was a very ungrounded world um as he was figuring that part out and um and he my mom kind of like was a like I said, my mom was like a bit of the heavy, so she really kept him in check. And then 
he was not in check. And, um, and, and so like, and then my mom somehow bought this house that I'm sitting in right now. And I just remember like we, we rented a couple houses. I remember looking at these like terrible apartments and just, Mm. it was such a, you know, I just, I remembered my mom would tell my sister about the financial stuff and she wouldn't really tell me about it. But I remembered on my 15th birthday, my mom, you know, I, I'm used to getting like so many presents and my mom gave me a one box and it had a pair of like 501 button play and um, Levi's and uh, and that was it. And <laughs> and that was hard for her to produce for me. And my mom went back to school and she went back to work. And it was just this very like scary time of like knowing that there was, you know, that we were severely and, and, and I have to be clear here. We were privileged. I was super yeah. privileged. I had a good life. I was, you know, like I was taken care of. Um, but it doesn't negate the fact that I didn't understand that and that everything felt very, very in like unstable. Um, and that I felt lack, you know, was, was, a, was a big theme. And then, and I started working, you know, I got my first job as soon as I could get my first job, even though it was, I'd worked like, you know, under the table for years. And then I got my first job. Um, and I put my, like, I, you know, put myself through college and I put myself like in high school, like I, I worked in high school and I, I bought my own clothes in high school. I paid for my own gas. I paid for all my own shit, you know, and then, in college, you know, my, my mom started, she gave me a couple hundred bucks a month. And I just, my dad, like for the first four months of college gave me like a hundred dollars a month. And then that stopped coming. And, um, and cause he, at some point explained to me, it was his turn to, you know, like he'd done his thing and now it was his turn to take care of himself. And, um, it was like this, um, I mean, I just, I, it was never not hard. I was never not terrified. Uh, and, and I, was and and my I knew I was going to be an accountant because I was never going to fucking do that what my parents had done again. I was never ever going to suffer that kind of financial instability. And so even though I was not meant I'm like not the accounting type, you <laughs> better believe I was going to fucking figure some way out of of what my parents had been in and I did. I, when I graduated from college I had a $50,000 a year job like I had I interned at Deloitte twice and I right out of school I made like it was like $52,000 a year and I made you know my promotions after that were like 20% a year and it was just it was you know like no fucking way am I ever doing that again Um, so what did you yeah and it it makes like it totally makes sense did you were you um like were you did you have the feeling that money was like to be feared or that it was evil or that you just like you couldn't hold on to it or like what were your sort of beliefs after all of that about what money was money like, was just- power money was status money was worth number one like mm-hmm. money enabled you to have power um mm-hmm. was one and the other part of it i didn't think it was evil even though we say that like that wasn't like i wasn't walking around and like screaming at the man at that age you know and saying money's yeah, the root of yeah. all evil but i did um i did uh i did uh i i was never able to hold on to it so that's the other side of it which is that i debt financed i because i so 
desperately went into thought that having money and having things equaled power. I went into credit card debt at age 18. I got a Victoria's Secret credit card for $500 and an express credit card for like 2000 and a Wells Fargo credit card. And I maxed them all out. And I never until now, I had I I never didn't have credit card debt, you know, like I now I, I don't use credit cards anymore. I have a very small amount left to pay off. Um, that was up to a hundred thousand at one point, but I believed be, I, I was so, I was so frivolous with it because I am terrified of it and felt like I would never, ever be the kind of person that could, um, manage it wisely. I always had this idea, like from a pretty young age, I'll just have to keep making more to man, to, yeah. to, you know, to deal with how shitty and dumb I am with it. Right. Uh, but oh, I just, I didn't hate it. I loved it too much. I just couldn't get my hands on enough of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do get that. There's, that's good. There's some stuff in there I definitely didn't know. That my dad was a pizza um, man? I definitely didn't know about the pizza man, but uh, just, you know, like, I don't think I knew that your dad declared bankruptcy and that like you have that, you know, all that kind of stuff going on. We have a lot of the same stories. And so what's yours? Tell me. So, so yeah. Um, I, you know, baseline or just caveat to all of it is I also grew up privileged, you know, uh, relatively. I never had to like, want for anything or not I wanted for a lot of things. I didn't have to need for anything. I had my needs <clears throat> were always met and I grew up in a very like white bread, you know, upper middle class city, little town in in Colorado. Um, but there was also like my, my dad was from a very, very poor family um, he was the only one to get seven kids to go to college. He put himself through. Um, my mom is from, you know, very working class, like off the boat Italian family. Um, but my mom has very expensive tastes and very like, uh, things look really good, you know, on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, like, there was an sort of unspoken, uh, disdain for, for my dad's side of the tracks with, uh, my mom's family. Like they're, even though yeah, they're, they're, they weren't that different, it was like, <clears throat> they don't, um, my dad was like, you know, just some kid from a white trash family who, who managed to make money cause he's really smart. Mm-hmm. And he went to law school like my 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 mom and dad met when my dad was in law school. He didn't end up doing that. He was he ended up being like a, a broker and, you know, doing he's ultimately an entrepreneur like like your dad has done all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. Extreme, extremely smart throughout the course. You know, so my parents got divorced when I was six and um money was just always all over the place. It was a very insecure thing. My dad never had like a normal job. He always had um, different companies going on. There were, there was always this like, uh, you know, lots of money, feast or famine. It was either a lot of money 
Yeah. Like an insane amount of money all of a sudden or nothing and things were being sold off or they'd just be gone or things would, you know, drastically change um, overnight. He declared bankruptcy a couple times and mm. my mom was the more, you know, she was definitely the, the stable one. Like uh, she always worked also. My mom's definitely like a hard worker and always had either her own companies or she sold real estate or, you know, she's scrappy. Like she's always just figured it out, but completely irresponsible with money. Like today she's a little bit better, but you know, it was just this sort of lack of reality around money for both of them. Just it manifested in different ways, but it was just this like easy come, easy go type thing with money. Like you can't ever really get, it it was, it was very much like this non- like to me, it became a sort of non-reality. Yeah. Like, like you either have a bunch or you have none, and both things really aren't that different from each other. And and that's in in some ways that's a really positive thing because um, it's like oh, you can always change your story yeah. about money. Yeah. You can always make it. You can always lose it. But in it's it can be really hard and the stuff that I had to work with is just like well you can never really get in that much trouble you know like you can always dig yourself out right mm-hmm. um and that the consequences aren't super real um right. and like it's just this sort of thing that you know and and what that meant for me like we have I wasn't afraid of it um like afraid of, I just I had this complete lack of reality around it yeah. It was it was like it wasn't real. I, it wasn't real. Even though the effects in my life were super real. Like my dad, you know, literally I would come we were with him on the weekends. I would come over on a Friday and he would have a brand new red Corvette that he like paid cash for and you know. And he'd have bought a bunch of other things. He lived in a nice house, but you know, um he didn't really take great care of it. Like uh, he would go on these crazy buying sprees. We'd go on trips into these like grand places and I would always get to take a friend. Um, but then, you know, like months later, none of that would be there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it was like, it never felt so very weird. stable. It never felt stable. It always felt really shaky. And I had this sort of thing like, well, all right, if this is happening right now, I'm just going to get on this, you know? And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm going to take your $1,000 and go shopping right now in the mall. Yeah. Even though that feels really weird. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to do it. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, there's all these like icky stories too that come with that. Like my dad, you know, his, his feeling was, or his set, his sort of, story that he'd t- say when he was feeling down to me and my brother where it's like you know I'm just some resource to you I'm just you know money and it's like well no you you set it up that way right so you know there's it it, it did feel like money ha- has this it wasn't that it was evil I've never felt that way but it was that it's dirty like there's a I didn't really want all that came with having it right well, it um, was used as an emo- – like your dad used it. It sounds like your dad used it 
to by love on some level or by affection or, or yeah. used it as like a means to connect. And right. so there's absolutely with, um, with everybody, not just us. Like, yeah. like he has his own self-esteem shit and, and the way that he was able, and I think this is the case for men. A lot of the times, the way you're able to crawl out of that is by making a bunch of money Yeah, because it does give you power yeah. and it does have, you know, people are drawn to that. And, and, you know, I don't, think he feels so much that way anymore but it was definitely um and I'm totally still pulling all this apart like figuring out where all my stories came from and what they are because it's really messy yeah um but so what the so what it looked like for me is like I was very much like you I started working as soon as I could and I oh have always worked I worked I didn't put myself through college uh well that's not totally true (laughs) I, my, my parents, it was very much like a feast or famine thing. Like I said, like very touch and go, like who's paying for it this semester? You know, mom is, who's paying for this semester? Dad is, oh, we don't, neither of us can. So Laura, you take out a loan, but we, you know, we're not going to be real clear on what that means. Like you're going to end up actually owing a shitload of money, but it was like very, just not real to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Like I left college with like $30,000 in debt and I didn't know really what that meant. Well, it sounds like it was just, it was like your family, it, it, to me, the way it feels like, it feels like Monopoly-ish. Like, it's just like, yes. doesn't, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, I wouldn't open bills. I was like, I just had this, I mean, this, we'll get to that, but that, that sort of feeling and that attitude of like kind of being untouchable, it doesn't really matter. Like, it's just, you just figured out, didn't really, um, change until the past, I would say year. Yeah. Or two, when mm. I realized, oh, going through bankruptcy is a big fucking deal. Yeah. And having bad credit is a big fucking deal. Yeah. <laughs> and it fucks your shit up yes. bad. And it matters. Um, I didn't have, you know, I I put myself in all kinds of debt because um, I was just figured out, I'll just climb out, you know. It, I mean, when you grow up with a st- money story like that and then parents who get divorced and you know, they collectively have like nine divorces and it's like, well, you just keep going. You just like keep doing stuff and you yeah. fix it. And nothing's that, you know, not has that, that deep of consequences. And that's not the best lesson to learn. So, but I always, I always had jobs. I always worked. Um, and I started making, you know, decent money. I didn't make, I didn't make what you made out of college, but I made great. I made good money. And then I just kept making more. But, and you know, by the time I, I quit my job last year, I was making really good money, but I always spent way more than I made. And I was always living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it just never really, it never really stopped. Like that was my story. This sort of easy come, easy go. You can't really get in that much trouble. You just keep making more. Right. And, and I and I did like you think I'll just never have my my shit together with this. I'll just have to keep making more money. Right. So just have to get ahead of it. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> like just keep. Just did you want to make ahead. a lot of money? Like, did you feel that was a necessary thing? <sighs> no. Did you? No. I didn't. Did you have the freedom like, to? Did you like think when you went to college you could do whatever you wanted to do? Dude, that would be giving me so much more credit for having forethought. <laughs> I didn't think more than like five minutes in front of my face. There, 
I literally like have always gone on sort of impulse and what I feel like doing. Like I was a pre-med major for a year and a half because I really liked science. And then I didn't, I realized that I, I did have some forethought to realize like I never want, I'll never be able to do anything else because I'm not going to be a doctor and I can't imagine being in a lab. So I'm going to do marketing, but I did marketing because it was the easiest thing to do and still, I could still get good grades. Right. And like, I guess I'll probably be able to use that. It was pretty fun. And I didn't, I just assumed I would make money Yeah. because, so I guess in a way I figured, yeah, I can kind of do whatever I want, but I just never had that much forethought. Yeah. Like when people are like, I'm on this path and this is where I'm going next. And this is what happens after that. It was like, that's, I don't even know how you think that way. Yeah, I know. I don't either. I had some forethought, but I don't know how those people ended up that way. Like who knew that they were like where they were going to go for grad school, you know, or uh, yeah. yeah. Like that planned ahead to actually make it through school in a trajectory. Yeah, no. (laughs) Oh, right. Like uh, counselors and figured out their plan. And yeah, yeah I, um, yeah, I never did that. Yeah. But I did. So yeah, it's, it's really just like this sort of non grounded, um, way of going through the world where you don't, I never really thought my decisions had much impact. Yeah. Like I like I would always just figure it out. Yeah. And like I said, that's like there's a super positive side to that. Yes. And there's obviously a super negative side to it. Yeah. So, well, when it's unchecked, you know. When it's unchecked. Yeah. Cuz the truth is things do have consequences and your poss- your your possibilities do start to narrow down. Like <laughs> <laughs> they do um but I still have that that sort of belief man I still think like it will just work out yeah and that serves serves you really well it serves you when you have it well we can talk about that when we get into it but it does it is it is like I think that that's that's one of the insights that I came to um Mm. okay so so then let's let's fast forward a bit so before you got sober, like around the time that you got sober, what was your money story then? Well, I just kept on having to make more money. I mean, that was it, you know, and it's just like I had the same idea as you did that it was really inconsequential. Like even though I didn't have that unreality thing, um, I also had this very um, like stupid, foolish uh, outlook that I could always that I could always dig myself out. I always feel like the same as yeah. you. I always had this supreme overconfidence that no matter how bad it got, I could dig myself out. And oftentimes that was just because I would see like a way out. Like for instance, I started finding these like consolidation loans and I would be like, oh, I get a check for $30,000. And then I would like <laughs> get a check for $30,000 for like 22% APR, you know? And, um, <laughs> and I'd be like, sweet. And then I'd pay off all my credit. And then I just would have this one little bill for $1,000 a month. And I would be like, Oh my God, I have all this free credit now on my credit cards. And then I would mm-hmm. go out and spend it up. So then I would have all that credit card, to, you know, and then it was just like, it was just like, oh, I can, you know, I never wanted to look at the reality of the situation because the reality was too painful. And and for me, I, you know, ballooned up to like eighty, hundred thousand dollars in debt. I mean, it was just, uh, I was, I was making a hundred, over a hundred 
thousand dollars a year and I was still calling my mom to have her float me from yeah. paycheck to paycheck. I would have her throw a thousand dollars in my bank account to make it. Isn't that wild? I would bounce checks all the time. I had so many overdraft fees. Um, me too. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. And I, I would, know. I would be like, and then I would be like, I'd be, I just remember, like, I'd be like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm gonna have to ask her, and she would be like, that's fine, honey, I'll know you. Pay. I knew she knew I would pay her back, you know. And then that would happen, and then I would be like, oh my god, you know, I just like, I, oh, thank, like, I just, you know, dodged a bullet, and I, and now I can. And I'm fine, you know? And so it's just always like finding the quick fix. It's always finding the quick fix. But it just started to get me to a place where I'm making this much money and I'm living in, you know, a 500 square foot apartment and, um, (laughs) and I don't have a car and I can't afford, you know, and people in my age are buying homes and they have cars (laughs) and, you know, like retirement accounts. And I had kept And it's on, so confusing, right? It's so it's confusing. Like, and I have done cashing out my 401k um, and paying penalties and like not mm-hmm. opening the mail. And like, and I just, I kept on, I mean, balancing it between, you know, like 10 credit cards. And, um, oh my God, I was such a small, it was such a small life. Like it was such a small I life. Know. And so, but this is interesting. This is something that I don't think I've ever talked about, which was that, Probably one of my first steps towards sobriety was in 2012 when I started to see a debt counselor. Mm. I was like sitting at home and I was like, I've got to get ahead of this. And I went and I would sit with this woman. And this uh, this is when, you know, I've, I've talked about how I, <laughs> you know, I've talked about how I I asked for, I, I went and to meet, what's his name, at a hotel. And like I, I had a letter and I was going to ask him to um, pay, like to pay for, for rehab for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that came from a conversation I had with this woman. So I was so basically I went to the debt counselor and she like looked at my situation and she was like and it, it was and this was exactly what I thought and why I avoided it for so long like looking like like actually looking at my mess was she was like it's gonna take you about six years and you're gonna have to live you know and you're gonna have to do like it was so painful and I had to track every it was such a painful it was like it was like going on a diet or it was like the most po- like painful yeah. it was the most painful choice i could have taken in order to get myself out of it and i wasn't in any position to do it but i went and she put me on we created this huge spreadsheet i tracked every fucking cent um and it was just depressing all i was looking at 5 years 6 years you know and then maybe i'd be a little out of debt you know or like i would be out of debt and i'd have a little savings it was just like it was such a sad noticed. life it was such a sad life that she proposed for me and and then we i don't remember what i said but i i want to say i mean it's such a blur that whole time i was stoned every time i went and saw her but like I want to say that like we in our conversations that we had, somehow it came up that I needed help. I think that it, she was astonished by my food expenditures. Mm. And um, and I think it was about bulimia that I, I think I just told her bulimia. Maybe I told her I had a drinking problem. I don't I do not remember. But I do remember crying and telling her that I felt out of control and feeling oh. like I was um, that something was very wrong. And um and I have a question. Yeah. Did you did you feel like 
like, did you think if you fixed your money stuff, yes, you it would clean you up? Yes. That's why I started with my money stuff. I thought it was my problem. I thought right. that was my problem. And so it's like going on a diet to stop drinking. Yes. Uh-huh. A hundred percent. I thought that if I could get that beast under control, because it was super out of control at that point. I mean, on top of it, I was spending, I was getting shit faced and making really poor decisions. I would go online and go on shopping sprees. I would buy stuff and not remember it. I would have like, I, one night, my girlfriend and I did the same thing. We were just laugh. We would laugh about it, but I went on and I, I somehow like there was some offer online and it was like, get 12 magazines for free. And I signed up for that oh, yeah. shit. And oh, like, yeah. and we were both that, like, like <laughs> we were both like, oh my God, I'm like, it's so embarrassing. Like we have like 12 magazine subscriptions and I don't remember <laughs> like, what was I thinking? I would buy stuff that I thought I needed. I bought monogrammed stuff and you know what I mean? Oh, I would just like become so grandiose and when I was drunk and think I can just, I can afford all that and I'll like, and, and I need all that, you know? And so but yep. it's like the same part of it. Like everything was like, like when I got sober, everything from my eating, my men, my relationships with friends, my job, my, um, my eating, my puking, my smoking, my drugs, my everything, including my spending was out of control. And I did believe, yep. I mean, this is why I wanted to marry Andrew. I was like, you know, like just so, and I think he, me. he knew this <laughs> and this is why I wanted to marry Tom. I like, you can fix this, you know, like, yeah, like men with money, you know, like fix me, just pay for it to go away. You know, I remember my friend, one of my girlfriends got married and she was like $5,000 in debt. She was, it was well, like, she was, when she got with together with her boyfriend, who's now her husband, he was like, this isn't going to happen. Like you were not doing mm. this. And she turned from me, she turned, she went from me, you know, being someone like me to being this very responsible, like fiscally responsible human being. And I just remember thinking, well, if I just had a man like that, I could, I could, you know, turn the ship around. So when I got sober, I was, you know, near six figures in debt. Um, I like the thought of, of buying a home was just only going to happen if I if I got married or the company that I had been working for IPO'd. I mean, those were my two shots. Yeah. And um, I remember when I was in Costa Rica that summer before, I would just – I wasn't even – I hadn't been with a man that I was still in love with. And, like, I hadn't been with him. We had not been on a date in, like, a year. And um, I'm with, like, an over a year. And, and Carson and I are in Costa Rica. And I'm so out of my mind. I'm just like, oh, like I and and because of our situation, like I I um I worked for him, and so in my mind, I thought I had something on him, and I was just like, oh, yeah. like I I would walk, I would we were riding around, and I was just explaining to her that he would buy me a place here, he would do this, he would do. That. I just assumed he would spend anything on me to like because I had something on him. Right. Or he oh. owed it to me. It was so unrealistic and it was so out of re- – I was so out of touch with reality at that point. Like when I – like Right, because it's not even like how you – It's not it's – like, it, <laughs> It's so – it's like almost funny. It's like who? What? I don't know. Where- 
I know. I I can't. I can't even. I, like on that trip. I mean, that trip was like a, a pure rock bottom. Like I wanted to stay on that island. I wanted to marry a guy named like uh, Levi, and also <laughs> there was a guy named Plaquito in like that. Like stood out my room. Like I wanted to like stay on the island and marry an island boy. You know, mm-hmm. and like just mm-hmm. like and just like my life was. I had made such a fantastic fucking mess of my life that I just wanted like the easy button and the like make it go the fuck away. And if I had to actually go back and tell her what I would have to do to get to where I am today, she would have like stayed. She would have stayed on that fucking island. (laughs) She should have been like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's like if people told you what it was like to get and stay sober, you Uh, never would. That much work? No. But I mean, like looking back at it, it's like, oh, like from here, I'm like, yeah, you know, I do it all over again. But also like looking forward, it's a much different thing. It's like, (laughs) oh, God, you know, but so when I got sober, let's just say things were not great with money. (laughs) Things were things aren't great. Pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously mine was the same. Um, uh, Yeah, I I had. But you were married. I mean, that's to me. I'm like, how did you get away with it when you were married? Was he engaging in the same behavior? Uh, Yeah, he had some of the same stuff. Uh, he had some of the same stuff and I, I got away with it, quote unquote, because I made money and I was, you know, I was making the money. So in our relationship for a lot of the time, so I had, what the fuck could he say? You know, at least that was my, that was my sick thinking and our, and his sick thinking. Um, but let's talk about like, this is what I want to talk about. Which was there like the the piece to me that really sticks out is I mean you guys had very different financial like you had a baby like you went through some like when you got sober you had been through some shit like you had lived mm-hmm. in other people's mm-hmm. houses and like yes. been out of work and you know um so like talk about that because that's a very different like I was just it was me and I had like free reign to go fuck it all up and well no one was watching you know but I'm just right. curious about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I won't tell the whole thing because it's long, and but I'll but I'll tell the I'll tell the highlights. So we, I mean, both of us, you know, my ex went to law school and also got his MBA, and we were both raised of the same generation that all of us were. Right? You go to college, uh, and you go to grad school, and you get out and you make a bunch of money. Right. Especially if you're going to be a lawyer or something like that. And we were all sold on that. And he he had never really had big failures in his life. And he went he went to law school and he was getting his MBA and got out. And it was 2010. And the market was truly like I know a lot of people who didn't feel what happened uh, then. But we did. Like we, we fell right into every possible <laughs> trap. We, we got like an arm loan for our condo in the city. We, uh, yeah, as students, like oh. we should have never, ever, ever gotten that. We bought it. We had this, uh, that we, it was a bad mortgage. Um, we both 
through like crazy circumstances and didn't, I didn't have a job when Alma was born and, and he didn't either. And so we moved in with family. We moved to Colorado for a while, moved in with family. That was like a a train wreck. So we moved back, lived with his family. We literally had, and there's a lot of choices in here that were all about sabotage for me. You know, um, I can look back and it's a whole different show, but we didn't, we weren't working. And, um, I was at one point I looked at the, our, our checking account. Cause we did share one and we had like $110 like to our name with a baby and a dog and, and no source else. of income and zero money coming in. There was literally no, no jobs, no money coming in. And our phones were ringing all the time because we just, we had to stop paying everything. And we, we went eventually like shortly thereafter went in, you know, declared bankruptcy filed for bankruptcy, but no, it was very real. It was like fear, like the biggest, you know, it was super, super traumatizing in a way. Um, but I, I, that day that I woke up and I was like, checked our account and had $110. I was like, Oh hell no, hell no, this is not happening. And I, you know, got, I fi- finally filed for unemployment, which I had, um, refused to do before because I didn't think it was like, I, you know, really, it was, that's not, I wasn't the type of person that it was for or whatever I thought. Got that taken care of and then eventually got, got like a contracting job and then I figured it out, you know, and my ex went and worked at Whole Foods. Like we figured shit out, but we, um, we, by the time I got sober, we, so just the timeline, like we declared bankruptcy and all through this, you know, I literally would have, say I had $40 or something (laughs) to my name and I had a kid and I had, uh, all kinds of bills. I was over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. My husband is several hundred thousand dollars in debt because of his grad school. That's just insane. Yeah. Several hundred thousand? Several hundred thousand dollars. Where did he go? Suffolk. I don't even know what that is. That's fucking insane. Yeah. And, um, and I'm sitting there going, should I buy wine or like formula? I'm not sure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I would buy wine because fuck it. Like, what am I supposed to do? It was so we were so buried that it was like, again, you're in this sort of non-reality, you know, ignoring all kinds of mail. Um, and, and at the same time, like still holding things together somewhat, like he's also not, he's also very responsible. And so he, you know, the reality of our situation was always very real to him. Whereas for me, I, I, it was not real to me because I was a super sick, like in my addiction. Right. And I, again, had this like non-reality thing. So were you terrified? Like, did you have any idea how it might end up? Were you just thinking it was going to change for the better change? Like, what were you thinking? There was a period of time where I, I would have moments where I would get, I would have the very real fear. Like I would see how bad it was, but, but they were so rare, Holly, like more often I would just, keep going like I would just keep looking at 
I was like in denial or whatever you call it, you know, I would just keep my head in the sand and like keep going. And I mean, the truth was I ended up getting, you know, 2011 in like an impossible market. I ended up getting a really good job at an agency and, you know, I, it's so tangled and so twisty. And so, because here I am, like we are, I'm extremely sick. Like the drinking was a real, real, real big problem at that point. And our marriage is fucked and, and I'm holding up a job, you know, like a really big girl job. And thing, there are some things that are working really well and we still have a kid and like, she's great. And so I don't know the, the, the money story is, is jumbled in there with everything, of course, but I just, I guess I just assumed it would like somehow work itself out. But there were times when I thought like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I've crossed the line into where this is not going to ever be okay anymore. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like I might done like permanent damage forever. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe you can't dig yourself out of this. Right. It's just never going to be. It's just always going to be a really big mess. Um, and I, But didn't I kind you kind of think that it was always going to be yeah, a really big I, mess? Totally. I, I assumed that I would just always be a mess with money. Yeah. I thought so, too. I was signed on for forever being a mess with money. Yeah. I would like, have hopes. I, I would have hopes that I could I dig it out. I didn't have hopes. They were, like, not real hopes. They were, like, I would... I truly thought, you know, if it's ever going to work out, I will probably like it'll be because because I marry someone or I always kind of had this safety valve like my dad will just fix it. Yeah, because I, he bailed me out a bunch of times, you know, and yeah. even though that money always came kind of with a emotional price, I was just like, I never there's I'm never going to fall completely because he'll just he'll fix it. Right. Someone will fix it. Right. <laughs> someone else will fix this. Um, so yeah, by the time I got sober, you know, fast forward a couple of years, like I was in really big trouble, like, like legal trouble, not just, you know, this is going to be tough trouble. I had owed a lot of money to the IRS for fucking up taxes. I met a DUI, DUI and all the complications with that. I mean, that cost me probably $15,000. Um, just to navigate through, I had to pay a lawyer on a credit card. I I was, I had borrowed money from my mom. I had borrowed money from my dad. I, um, I was not paying student loans. I had them in forbearance for years and years and years and just like racking up interest. I had over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. My credit card debt wasn't that crazy because I couldn't get enough credit to make it crazy. And, um, my credit score was, I would never even look. I mean, it was so wretched. Um, to get a car, my dad had to co-sign on it. I never opened my mail. I was always, I mean, talk about withdrawing your account. I just always withdrew my account. It was like just a given, like you're going to get five or six dings a month, you know, $35 a pop. Overdrew your account. Over, yeah, yeah, overdraft fees. And I mean, I did some sick shit. I used to fake deposits into my checking account to get drugs hmm. because I we would be drunk and I didn't have enough money and it was like I saw nothing wrong at the time with faking a deposit and they you know they give you some of the money when you make that deposit and pulling out the money and going to buy drugs with it. Yeah. Um I mean that's like 
against the law, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, that's a big deal. Don't do that. Um, but you're not thinking. Go. Yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't thinking clearly. And it was so, it just becomes like a game of whack-a-mole. It's like, which little fire do I put out today? You know, what would happen, I'd pay for my phone bill because my phone would get shut off. That's the only reason I would pay for it. Otherwise, it was like out of my purview Right. because there were other fires. I would get my paycheck deposited and 90% of it would be gone within like Mm -hmm. five days because I'd have to pay all my bills plus all the late fees Mm -hmm. that accumulated. Um, You know, it's really expensive to live where I live. And I was spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on money of going out and drinking and eating at fancy restaurants. And I didn't see anything wrong with that. Like I thought that's, I deserved that. And it didn't add up because, you know, on the outside, it's like, I kind of looked like everybody else. I mean, I did. I looked like my friends who did have cars and were being responsible and didn't have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And I never talked about this. You know, it was like, um, I was, uh, I had nothing. I mean, I was, I, everything I bought, I, it was, there was no sanity around it, like zero. Right. So by the time I got so, it was too hard. Like you couldn't like to look at, you couldn't look at the reality of this, like just like the drinking, you can't look at the reality of the situation because it will just shred you. Right. Right. And and when I, you know, once I got divorced, um, you know, I'm, I know he was like, Fucking, thank God, I don't have to have my shit up caught up in your financial shit anymore. Right. But we left that really banged up. You know, we, it wasn't, it was not a thing where we're sitting there and dividing up our assets because we had nothing. We had literally nothing. It was like, who gets the house? Oh, there's no house. Who gets the car? Oh, there's no car. Like someone has to buy a new one who gets, you know, it was literally, we had no assets. Yeah. So that was what it looked like before I got sober. Bleak. Impossible. Impossible. Yes, it was impossible. And um, and I couldn't really look at it for a while. Yeah. I mean, you start – anyway, we're going to get to that, right? Yeah. Let me – let's um, take a minute. Let's go get coffee and, and then meet back here in a minute. All right. So we're quitting. We're stopping there just for this week because it ended up being like two and something hours. Short little <laughs> yeah. podcast. Um, short little show. Short little show. So we're going to end with the downers. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was shit. <laughs> everything was uh, awful. We were in debt. And um, we, were- we didn't open our bills. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good we happened to Texas. <laughs> um, Laura rode around in police <laughs> with her daughter. <laughs> and so we're stopping at that. And then we're gonna next week we're going to be doing – we're going to – air the second part of this which is the good mm-hmm. stuff how it turned around and it did i mean it's really turned around um yeah. and faster than yeah. i think either one of us would have um imagined but before we do let's do we want to take a quick minute and both um we have not actually advertised or promoted any of our work um which is in a while 
Which is funny because we are talking about making money and how things change right. for us. And part of that has been actually having the lady, not the lady balls, the vagina to believe that what we offer um, is worth value. And it is. And Laura has an offering and it's expiring tonight at midnight and it might already be sold out. But we think it's we think there might be some slots left. So we're going to include it. What is it? Tell yeah, us about so it. My The Bigger Yes Project Um the maiden voyage of the bigger yes project. I launched it today. Today's Monday. This will, this will go be live when you're listening to this, it will be Wednesday and I'm closing the doors at 10 PM Eastern on tonight. Uh, if there are spots Wednesday still left night, if, on August 9th, right. Which is when they'll, this will air. So, um, that's Check. Alma eating pirate's booty, by the way, everybody. That's Alma eating pirate's booty in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, go to my website, lauramccowan.com slash yes. And if there are still spots available, you'll be able to register. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. I uh, launched it today at uh, 11 o'clock this morning and it's about halfway, halfway full. Through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a – I started to do some – like in – I the next tip sobriety school will be launching in September. Um, but right now, this over the summer, I have put up and I will be putting up one more um, teachable courses. So these are just basically like small, like mini courses. Um, one of them I've had up for a while is how to work with cravings, how to overcome the urge to drink and recover from mistakes, $29. The other one that we have is how to quit drinking when you think you can't both of these are about like each is like a, a set of about eight to ten videos. Each video is about ten minutes um, when it comes mm-hmm. to the workbook. Um, and together uh, they are fifty dollars or sold separately. They're twenty nine each. And you can find those by going to hipsobriety.com and just clicking on um, store, and it will lead you to that as well as the mantra project. Um, Love it. That's what I. And got. Let's do a little shout out for our for our store too. Um, we have a new store up and new amazing t-shirts that my girl Megan designed. And I wear my t-shirts All almost every day. I'm not kidding. No. We're the luckiest in uh, feminist sober killjoy. Um, are the ones I like the books. teetotaler one. Like for some reason, it's oh, the I know you've been wearing that. It, well, it is. It's a different T-shirt. Anyway, you can find that by going to homepodcast.org, um, and there's a link to the store there. All right, we'll see you guys next week when we continue this money stuff. You want to say hi, Alma? Say hi. Bye bye. 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 Infinitely so